Namaste, Earth children. I am Devin Faraci, renowned Italian Buddhist, and you are listening to Cinema Sangha, a podcast where science fiction, comic books, and spirituality works together to bring you to your personal nerdvana. Last week, we activated our chakras and bound our spirit energy together by celebrating the Lady Ghostbusters. This week... I will be opening up my third eye to the Joker and giving you my review through the lens of Theravada teaching. The great guru, Neem Karuli Baba, said, Love people. Feed people. Yet I wish I could say I was nourished by the Joker. You see, Joker tells the story of Arthur Fleck, a mediocre white Bernie bro coddled by his mother and outshined by his peers at the clown rental agency. Infuriated by the POC surrounding him, he puts on his joking makeup to follow his dream of dancing to music written by pedophiles. Aping the style of misogynist patriarch Martin Scorsese, I was truly disturbed by the freeform rage on display. I give it the lowest score possible for a comic book movie, 7 out of 10. Alright, next week's topic. Could the introduction of healing force powers in Star Wars show us a way to mend the tatters of this nation torn apart by Cheeto Emperor Darth Drumpf? Send in those emails! As always, the state of California legally requires me to inform you that I am a sex offender. Namaste and good night. everybody and welcome to video games are the worst thing on earth movie episode i call it insufferable film dork society because i don't know what else to call it that's what feels right i think that's a great name and we are talking about the movie that is on the tip of everybody's tongue like hasn't three been months ago deaths. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last chance we have to strike on this discourse we are talking of course about the joker baby <laughs> we are all the joker now with us as our premium joker expert is k of k and skittles thank you so much for joining us k yeah hey man i'm, I'm happy to be here in a society <laughs> i went around and surveyed everyone we know to see how strong their opinions were about the joker k was chosen because he has very strong opinions about the joker which yeah, is all we want. That's, I mean, that's what is most interesting about the Joker. I think the movie is absolutely worth talking about. Mm-hmm. But compared to the other movies that we've done, where I think the actual content is more interesting, I think the most interesting thing is the absurd cultural discourse that sprung up around it. And it's weird to me the way movies, you know, everything has its flashpoint moments, but movies are the kind of one pop culture thing that everybody gets in on these days. And the two options we had for talking about this kind of culture war discourse that's in our wheelhouse are Joker and Star Wars. And fuck Star Wars. Oh so my we're gonna god. Yeah, fuck Star Wars. Star Wars sucks so much fucking ass. Yeah, it's too shit, especially that last one. We just, nah. It has been shit for fucking decades now. Since the prequels, I would argue. Even the prequels, I think, are probably more interesting to talk about just because they have interesting ideas delivered just insanely incompetently. Yeah. (laughs) But like the modern day Disney Star Wars is an entity barely worth discussing. Like, let's get full fucking Frankfurt school in this shit. There's no (laughs) new culture. They're literally just like repackaging and recycling uh, a previous movie because they know that's what like fans want. I think they they gave it a shot on The Last Jedi, the, the middle one. 
Yeah. Uh, but people got upset. So then, uh, hey, uh, Palpatine's back. Actually, everything that ever happened was Palpatine. Lightning, baby! We got gay slug. people. Don't worry. We're there in in the way in the background Secret of a wide gay shot. Shh. <laughs> in the background of a wide shot that will be edited out for international release. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, let's not talk about Star Wars, though, because Star Wars yeah, is fuck boring. Star Wars. Yo, I think the Joker should direct the Star Wars movies. Oh, That's shit. twisted. <laughs> twisted, bro. Fucking twisted. I, I, every time. <laughs> I'm going to edit in so many air horns in this episode. That's oh, going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> throughout, or throughout. clown horns, huh? <laughs> honk, honk. <laughs> um, okay, before we get started talking about the movie itself, I just want to do a quick survey. Alton, I know you hate all things comics-wise, uh, so I'm going to assume you do not care too much for Batman. Kay, what's your history with Batman or comic books or whatever? What, what did you come to with when you watched the Joker? Yeah, how, how quickly did you come? <laughs> oh, oh, right away. Well, to be fair, I was sort of, I was edging until he shot those frat guys and then I just came everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you guys watch movies, but that's kind of how I roll with it. But yeah, I like comic book shit. Batman himself is sort of a piss man, but uh, I like a lot of the stuff around him. So, you know, I was, I, I'm sick to fuck of the Joker and this was a, an interesting take on it. So I was, I was into it. I kind of am where you're at. When I was younger, I enjoyed the premium Batman stories, you know, the, the Dark Knight Returns or whatever it's called, Batman Year One, that stuff. But, like, you know, you try to de- delve into the comics themselves, and it's just, like, endless bullshit continuity that <laughs> doesn't really connect to anything. And I was getting pretty sick of Batman overall when I came to the Joker. And they fucking reboot it every fucking five years. Every five years. Yeah. It's just the same intro story. Like, oh, my parents are dead. I mean, and I think they were right to reboot it from Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> being in be, being in 20 minutes of weird DC movies. So I think that this is good. and I And I think the tone is good, too. I watched the animated series. That's like my my introduction to Batman. It was like the 1990s animated series, which was very good. And there's yeah. actually the origin point for Harley Quinn in the, in the whole series. And it's interesting to me that like the first original idea that Batman's had in like fucking 50 years was introduced in like the cartoon versus the comic book. <laughs> I'm very anti-comic. Specifically, superhero comics are just trash. Other kinds of comics I can get behind, like graphic novels I'm, I'm fond of. But um, fucking superhero comics, just a, a non-stop <laughs> stream of creative diarrhea. Tough to disagree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I read I mean, them, but like you're, you're right. I mean, that's just <laughs> somebody. I read a tweet, and I think it's correct. It's how fucked up it is. Is that the last like breakthrough character for Marvel or DC was Harley Quinn? That animated series came out in the nineties, yeah. and they have not had an idea <laughs> that they've thought to to push to the mainstream in thirty years. Just like how fucking this is, stagnant this, this all is. This is what capitalism does to industries, though. It creates a structure, solidifies it, and then calcifies it to the point where all creative endeavors. Well, they wouldn't make money because nobody knows who the character is, so it's not worth the risk or investment in creating a new comic series unless these fucking rich sociopaths who own these industries it know that it's going to make money. It calcifies it to the point where a Martin Scorsese ripoff of Joker <laughs> is the freshest comic book movie to come out. You'll see that uh, in action again in the the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson that they're working on because they've already cast like Catwoman and it's just going to be that Batman oh. story where it's like the sexy younger Batman and oh he likes Catwoman is but oh gonna... she's she's stealing. <laughs> I can't. Is she going to pound her pussy? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> i mean beat oh her up God. what do you guys think <laughs> <laughs> oh man we're, we haven't even got to the proper movie yet well we're, we're setting up well let us get into the the proper movie joker right. is mark hamill <laughs> joker is the true story of mark hamill <laughs> <laughs> all right all right now let's get to the real stuff heath ledger 
<laughs> Keith Ledger, who invented the society. He did, though. He did. He invented it. He is like the person who took the Joker from like this comic book character and made him into like a mainstream cultural figure, I think. Yeah, and the thing about that is, like, his performance was all right, but the writing of the Joker in that movie was dumb as shit. If you go back and listen to it, <laughs> I'm an agent of chaos. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking blow up a hospital. That movie is dumb as shit. It just it's so dumb. It, it is dumb as shit so confidently that <laughs> for your first viewing, you're just like, oh man. That movie was something as shit, and I couldn't quite catch the first word, so I'm just going to say good. Good. (laughs) Yeah, we all thought it was good for a while. I remember it being like a very highly acclaimed movie, and everyone was on Heath Ledger's uh, necrotic dick about his performance as the Joker. Uh, What I love about Heath Ledger and the Joker is saying that the Joker reached through the veil of fiction to murder Heath Ledger, and that's why he's the most badass villain. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. There was so much of that when the movie came out. Oh. <laughs> People were just like, this character is so twisted. It killed Heath Ledger. And it, it left this legacy where when, um, what's his name, Jared Leto was fucking playing him. He was trying to like... Oh man, you stole you stole my bit where I say, okay, now let's go to the real stuff. Jared Leto. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Edit man. that out. <laughs> uh, we are not going to be talking about Jared Leto. Okay, let us begin the synopsis. As good as all these topics are. All right, we've covered the history. The history of the Joker yeah. from the 17th century to today. Yep. The nineteen uh, the 1770s <laughs> for the French Le Joker. Yeah, and that's why there's two in every deck of cards today. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Joker is a movie that's like set in nineteen eighty one Gotham City and it's just one it's just New York City. That's it's basically kind of, that's what we have to accept. It's Martin Scorsese in New York City. The whole movie rips off King of Comedy, and it kind of has a lot of tone touches from Taxi Driver. The movie opens, and it's talking about a garbage strike, and it's just like horrible urban poverty, garbage bags are knee-high. And there we see Joker, Arthur Fleck, putting on his clown makeup in in a featureless room. He isn't just out in the street yet with Mm -hmm. his clown makeup. And he... He's crying and he's giving himself the using his fingers to hook up his mouth into a smile. And you're just like, oh, shit, this is a visual metaphor for the movie. <laughs> you're buckling up. It's, it's, it's going to rule. We get introduced to Arthur Fleck and we find out that he is a rent a clown. <laughs> he basically, you, you, if you need a clown to. To do whatever, Arthur Flex, your man. He's like one of those mascots that stands outside of uh, like mattress stores and has the sign that he twirls around and dances with to say, like, sale on all mattresses today. It's basically like a fictionalized version of that. Exactly. And they, some kids steal his sign and uh, beat the shit out of him with it. <laughs> They fucking wreck his shit, man. And kind of getting started with the, the class consciousness elements. Arthur gets yelled at for stealing the sign. Yeah. And that's his kind of first <laughs> intro to, to his Joker gets let, no respect. Let me let me do this. And so he gets called into his office by his manager, who is pissed at him because he's like, you just disappeared. And he's like, didn't you hear? I got the shit beat out of me. I was like, excuses, excuses. He's going to want that <laughs> sign back or he's going to dock it from your pay. And just like the sign that the kids just broke on his face. Yeah, exactly. Like the entire first half of the movie, basically, is just setting up how shitty Arthur Fleck's life is. And it it, it is just like a constant stream of misery and poverty and degradations of all sorts. I hated school as a, as a kid. <laughs> My mother would say, you should enjoy it. One day you'll have to work for a living. No, I won't, Ma. I'm gonna be a comedian. <laughs> um, 
There's one. If I may, I am the Joker, and I would like to read some good jokes from my book, World's Greatest Dad Jokes. Oh, yes. <laughs> 160 hilarious knee slappers and hokey puns. Okay. Oh, yes. All right. What's red and bad for your teeth? What? A brick. Uh, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that laughter. That was high level shit. <laughs> What's black and red and black and red and black and red? A zebra with sunburn. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Sorry, we, we'll get into this that it, later in the movie he has like a comedic uh, comedy stand-up scene, <laughs> and it's basically that. Yeah, um, the beginning of the movie is just nonstop misery. He is meeting with his social worker, and you you find out he has this condition where he he has uncontrollable laughter at inappropriate times. He you find out he's been institutionalized. He asks for more medication because he doesn't want to feel bad all the time. This is this is something set up. Okay, so like when he was, uh, when they were establishing that he has this condition where he has uncontrollable laughter, he was like making funny faces at a, to a kid in the bus, and then the mother turns around and is just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And just like <laughs> says, "Stop talking to my kid, you freak!" And he just, just like he's very he's very sad about this because he was just trying to make him laugh. And then he just starts laughing, hysterical, uncontrollable laughter. And he's just like, everyone on the bus is now looking at him like, what the hell's wrong with you? And he has to yeah, dig from his wallet. scaring the shit out of everyone. He has to dig from his wallet this, like, laminated card. I have a condition where I have uncontrollable spurts of laughter. And I don't know if you guys notice this, but when she flips it over... On the bottom, it says, please return this card. And I don't think she ever did. And that's going to yeah, be... she doesn't. That's going to be no. fucking important later. And, and I would say that, like, if, if you watch the movie, watch when he's actually laughing. Because I, I do think it's uncontrollable. But I don't know if it's exactly a neurological condition. Because it's every time Joker is, like, uncomfortable or humiliated or has to deal with something shitty... That is him processing it. And it's always, it's like right before his shitty uh, meeting with his social worker, uh, right before uh, when those like goons from Wayne Enterprises start harassing him. That's when he's, the laughing right. kind of comes out. And so it's, it's questionable to me whether w the nature of his condition throughout. All right. So there's two things I want to cover. First, when in that intro area where he's getting set up and like the company he works for has like this makeup dressing room that is just like a colossal like rat hole. It's like a, a disgusting, filthy place with just like mirrors and clown makeup. One of his coworkers comes up to him and says, I hear you got beat up by kids. That's fucked <laughs> up. Have a gun. <laughs> you can pay back later yeah and it's just like you at first you're like assuming like okay yeah this guy is like looking out for the, his mentally ill friend by giving him a gun this is america <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so you know that's going to be important later because you know he, he, it's his weapon for like the whole movie and man does he fucking use it a lot Oh, yeah. uh, the, the gun, that's an important part of the setup. And the final bit of setup in the first 30 minutes of listen, the movie. I have some high, I have high level fucking, listen, I have high level fucking analysis for you all. I'm ready. The gun represents his masculinity. He's returned to big, a masculine, powerful figure. It's his penis. Uh, I was going to say the gun represents his rage that SJWs won't tell him, let him tell the jokes he wants. <laughs> well, that's what the director was intending. The gun in all movies represents power. And this oh, yeah, is sure. a person who is so far removed from the conventional lanes of power that he has no hope whatsoever of leading a conventional life or improving his lot in any meaningful way and then the gun comes into his life and he ascends 
to become the Joker, baby. This aspect has been dinged by a lot of my friends, but honestly, I think works for it is that all of the metaphors in the Joker are just right there on the surface, yeah. peeping its head over the, the waterline. This is like Greek tragedy feel almost. Yeah. One thing I just want to go over in part of the setup of his sad life is his sad, helpless mother mm-hmm. who is... You know, it, she's she's elderly for sure, but she seems to be able to move around. And he's like, who represents how women are holding men back <laughs> <laughs> in society? It's like truly pathetic. Like he's giving her baths and you know cutting up her food, and it's like I, she doesn't seem to really need it. It's just this gross relationship that's like very you know learned helplessness and codependency. And you, as we learn in the movie, it's certainly like she has trauma of her own that was never dealt with but in the beginning of the movie she writes bruce wayne like every week but she used to work for him and wants to let him know that she's in poverty and please lift me out i used to work for you Mm -hmm. uh and he has not responded for several years the joke response is like why are you writing bruce why are you writing uh not bruce what's his name again uh thomas wayne Thomas Wayne, why are you writing Thomas Wayne every week? Like, why would he do? Why would he do that for us? And just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we used to work for him, and just like, she doesn't reveal anything, but the, it's like revealed later that he might be Thomas Wayne's illegitimate son. I'm gonna just gonna like condense all the scenes of this of this movie related to it down to this little bit because it's like it keeps flip flopping between he is and he isn't. Because initially it's like she proposes that he was Thomas Wayne's illegitimate son. And then he talks to Thomas Wayne at like an event and he's like, no, fuck you. She's crazy. She was in this institution. And then he actually goes to the institution and he steals the documents on his mom's stay there, including his adoption papers. And it's sort of like, oh, okay, well, that's a done deal then. She like, she obviously was just making it all up. And then later in her apartment, he finds a picture of her, like, saying, like, love you always, and then it's, like, TW on the back. She says that, like, Thomas Wayne made the whole thing up to fucking silence her and make people think she's crazy. They're both pretty believable, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's, it's both things at once. Like, she's mentally ill, but also probably Thomas Wayne did have an affair with her. Yeah. And just used that to sort of bludgeon the story away, I guess. That's, that was kind of what I took from it. Can I help you, pal? I don't know what to say. Do you want an autograph or something? No. My name is Arthur. Penny Fleck is my mother. Jesus. You're the guy that came to my house yesterday. Yes. I'm sorry, I just showed up, but my mother told me everything, and I had to talk to you. Look, pal, I'm not your father. (laughs) What's wrong with you? (laughs) Look at us. I think you are. Well, that's impossible, because you were adopted, and I never slept with your mother. What do you want from me, money? No, I don't... I wasn't adopted. Jesus, she never told you? Told me what? Your mother adopted you while she was working for us. That's not true. Why are you saying that? That she was arrested and committed to Arkham State Hospital when you were just a little boy. Why are you saying this? I don't need you to tell me lies. I know it seems strange. I don't mean to make you uncomfortable. I don't know why everyone is so rude. I don't know why you are. I don't want anything from you. Maybe a little bit of warmth. Maybe a hug, Dad. How about just a little bit of fucking decency? What is it with you people? You say that stuff to my mother? She's crazy. (laughs) You think this is funny? Dad, it's me. <laughs> Watching it the second time, it was tough for me to 
believe anything except Thomas Wayne had covered it up. It just you, you, the arrogance that's radiating from him yeah. in that their one confrontation. This is a guy it, before he has the Thomas Wayne confrontation. He goes up to Thomas Wayne's son, Bruce Wayne, Batman, and like gives him flowers <laughs> and touches his face. <laughs> he he gets up in his mouth, and he. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with his fingers <laughs> in his son's mouth and he's like on guard about the <laughs> about the mother thing not being like hey why did you put your hands in my son's mouth and then hitting him and i think with with the final little reveal at the end where it's a sign thing thomas wayne 100 knocked up arthur flex mom and just covered it up. And it's just kind of like... He's a rich and powerful man. And like... Exactly. He could have gotten all those documents forged. We're living in a post-Epstein world where we realize just what kind of bullshit rich people can get away with. Yeah. And I, I think that maybe in like a, a pre-Epstein's suicide quote-unquote world, maybe it would be like, oh, well, she's just crazy. But now it's just sort of like, hmm, I don't know. He forged the papers and Epstein was murdered. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> Yeah, Bruce Thomas Wayne murdered Jeffrey Epstein. Bruce Wayne is in the black book. No one's yeah. talking about Bruce Wayne. Batman <laughs> is on like the Epstein eight. flight logs. Where do you think he found Robin? <laughs> oh, no. oh, okay. All right, we're gonna move on. Before the big scene, that's the big turn. I do want to mention one small part, which is so good to me, is when he goes to the stand-up club. To like do research for his comedy career. Oh my god, yeah, that was great. And he's, and he's laughing at all the wrong parts. Yeah. And it like zooms in to his notebook of like what he's taking from the comedy performance. And it's like sex jokes funny. Yeah, sex jokes always funny. It is just like so clear he is barely hanging on to reality. He cannot, does not understand <laughs> why this guy is working. It's really a great scene, like you said, because it's like, the spaces between his jokes are where he's laughing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, like, I mean, it's very not subtle at all, like visual comedy where he's laughing when nobody else is and then they're laughing when he isn't. And I think it's the first hint that the the Joker in general, even though he calls himself mentally ill, is kind of portrayed that way, is maybe not necessarily, you know, being out of tune with everybody else, being an outsider, is not a mental illness. and. Yeah. Arthur Fleck has been made to feel that way and he's internalized it a lot. And mm. I don't know, it's it, it makes me feel a lot of sympathy for him. I cancel me as a mediocre white male. <laughs> a trash dick mayo boy, if you will. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what that's what everybody calls me. <laughs> it gives me a lot of sympathy for this person who just like needs some kind of acceptance, needs some kind of help, and he's trying, he sees the laughter. Uh, everybody being happy and he wants that he wants to like converge with that and cannot is nowhere near it i honestly think this portrayal of mental illness is like it's dead on just fucking neil brain <laughs> it is <laughs> it's just like this narcissistic guy who has like this internalized grandiose visions of himself like he has these visions of him doing like these great things like him going on to stage at, like Murphy's or uh, Murray's or whatever his name is mm -hmm. like the this late night talk show host and he like sees himself like having these grand fantasies that are indistinguishable from reality in the context of the film from his perspective and i think that that is honestly really interesting and we were talking about this earlier before the pod started about how the Joker's version of mental illness is just literally whatever Neil Breen has. <laughs> <laughs> Except Neil Breen somehow managed to direct his own movies somehow. I don't know where he gets the money to do those things. Arthur was born in the wrong era. Arthur could have so much clout oh in the 21st God. century. He could be a Twitch streamer. <laughs> Just laughing maniacally as he feeds in League of Legends. <laughs> uh, and so one aspect of that before we get to the turning is uh, the Murray show, played by Robert De Niro, big King of Comedy reference where Robert De Niro was uh, was kind of in the Joker position in that movie. But anyways, in that fantasy that you're talking about, uh, Murray calls 
Joker, his son. And so he has this like relationship with it that goes very deeply. And I think that that is kind of where a lot of the animosity comes later. The Joker, um, Arthur Fleck, rather, sorry, greatly looks up to to Murray as like a, a father figure. And I think that one of the big reasons why he's so upset when he confronts Thomas Wayne about the, his mom's letter, you know, it, it's clear that like this guy has a uh, dad issues. Yeah, for sure. Abandonment issues out the wazoo. Let's let's talk about the turn. Arthur gets fired because he drops the gun yeah. while dancing in front of children at a hospital. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Which is honestly hilarious. This movie is not like wall-to-wall laughs, but when it picks its jokes, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. So that happens, and he is just totally shattered because he's fired, coming home from the subway, and three, like investors who work at wayne enterprise drunk frat bros yeah 100 percent harassing this woman and he gets like real upset and she's like looking at him seeing if she's gonna he's gonna intervene and he just starts laughing and they they look over and they start singing send in the clowns and beating the shit out of him let me get a little bit more granular detail so like these drunk frat boys they come in, they're drunk, they're fucking assholes. There's this lady sitting in the same car with them, and they start, like, hitting on her. Be like, you want some fries? They're good. And the Joker, seeing this, Those are the that's, moves. that's fucking PUA right there. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking walk around with, like, cold fries going, you want some? <laughs> Just a mountain always, of pussy. Always works. Yeah. <laughs> and um, um, fucking, he gets very uncomfortable seeing this as like fucking anyone would. And that's like what sets off his maniacal laughter, which they're all looking at him now. And she just like gets up and storms out of the cart to the next one. And they're all like, oh, bitch. Stupid bitch. And they sound like me when I'm playing Monster Hunter World. <laughs> and I'm getting my ass kicked. <laughs> and they're looking at him and they like, obviously, they blame him for scaring her off, despite the fact that they were disgusting freaks. And that's when he starts singing Send in the Clowns while he's laughing uncontrollably and just like laugh crying, basically, because he can't fucking control it. He's obviously a little bit afraid. Like, what's so funny, clown? And he's just, like, <laughs> laughing, and he's searching around in his jacket for his card, and he can't fucking find it, because that stupid that bitch fucker. on oh. the bus stole it from him. Exactly. And, that's, hate and that represents uh, women in society. <laughs> Taking away the understanding that men need to converse with other men. Just ruining men for other men. That's what this represents. And that's why they got to go their own way, folks. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the thing is, I think most importantly about that is they see him as weak. Right. Is that he is this pathetic figure. He can't stop laughing. It's clear he's not even laughing at them. He's just has a problem. They prey upon him. They sing that song. They start kicking the shit out of him. And after a certain point, he just kind of reacts and he blows the fucking brains out of the main guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And that's so fucking good. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, he just fucking blows his brain out. And then he shoots the other guy. And then, like, the third one, the fat guy starts running away from him. And he shoots him in the leg. And he just, like, chases him down, like, outside the cart. Uh, <laughs> It's like this 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 funny scene where like they're both looking out the doors and like trying to see if the other one's out there. <laughs> and then the he makes a break for the stairs and then that's when the Joker comes out and just unloads the rest of his magazine into him. This is the Joker Jokerification moment. This is exactly. This is when we go from Arthur Fleck to the freaking Joker baby. <laughs> baby, and he's strong in those moments. Like that's what I'd say. This is his metal penis. He feels powerful. <laughs> yeah. He he is running so confidently. Joaquin Phoenix, he can run. That boy can run. What a he runner. Can. 
you're right though because uh when he kills the third guy like the the first two are arguably in self-defense but the third guy is mm-hmm. like nah, he was running away that's the moment where it's like all right <laughs> this is this is really escalated now <laughs> i was still rooting the... for him though i was like hell oh, me yeah too. get that yeah, piece of shit <laughs> the thing is like you know his the his gun represents power and mm-hmm. it's important that that's it's really like heavy-handed yeah it's his penis <laughs> um, because it's, it's misdirected right because he's only ever lashing out at like individuals and not the system but it's still cathartic he's not political oh yeah he's totally not political he's just <laughs> shooting rich fucks exactly just you yeah. know for not political reasons because he's very smart and he has that great little very smart centrist yeah. he's that great little moment where he like can't quite decide what he's gonna do after he shot the first two where he like points the gun at his head for a second he's like no no we're not gonna do that we're like okay <laughs> let's go kill this guy movie, we raise it up though you know i think this movie teaches very good moral values despite what the liberal <laughs> freaks might say i i think that actually it preaches non-suicide uh, direct action that's true that's true <laughs> be the change <laughs> <laughs> yeah when we were through the synopsis i got things to say about the libs the oh, libs yeah. the fucking libs <laughs> what about the eyewitness report of the suspect being a man in a clown mask well it makes total sense to me what kind of coward would do something that cold-blooded someone who hides behind a mask someone who is envious of those more fortunate than themselves yet they're too scared to show their own face And until those kind of people change for the better, those of us who have made something of our lives will always look at those who haven't as nothing but clowns. After that, he feels more confident. There's like a scene where like you you start to see the like the clown protesters who are inspired by the killing of these rich fucks starting Mm. to demonstrate in the street against the you know, the neoliberal reforms of Gotham City. And it starts because fucking Thomas Wayne goes on TV and just like, and he just calls all like all the people protesting it, like hit the inequality in the city is he just calls them all clowns, which is sort of how that establishes their identity. Yeah, 100%. And kind of, you know, dovetails perfectly with the Joker being empowered by this moment. He asks out his imaginary neighbor. His neighbor is real. But he hallucinates. He's so confident. He's so hyped up after killing these dudes that he fantasizes about going out with her. Um, that, that is true. Yeah, that is that is correct. Yeah, because it's later, later it shows him like he had a bad day when his mom has a stroke, and like he go, comes back to their to her apartment. He's like, "Who the f- you, who the fuck are you? You're Arthur Fleck, right? You live down the hall." And she's terrified. Yeah. She's never fuck. She's seen this guy like in the elevator once to me that was a really important scene for why the whole weird incel argument was dog shit because he did not then lash out at her in any way he just left yeah to me that's a really important detail it seems like he just left there's no like scene where i mean this movie i think if he had killed her it would have shown it yeah it would have that would have been an I important think it would have shown thing. it and at this point in the movie arthur is only out lashing out at people who have done him wrong in some way oh yeah and the neighbor hasn't done him wrong and it's clear when he's there from the performance even if he doesn't look her in the eye and says it's true you never did me wrong in his <laughs> eyes in his performance he clearly <laughs> doesn't have any malice towards her he does say that ex- almost that exactly to like his performer who's a, a dwarf <laughs> Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, you were always nice to me. You were the only one who was always nice to me or something like that. An, an important part, I think, after the protesting sparks is Arthur slash Joker has enough confidence to go do an open mic. Oh, my God. Yes, that's that's what I wanted to bring up. He can barely say words. He's just laughing at himself the entire time. He nails it, bro. Honestly, it's a lot more watchable than any of the other hacks that they show in the movie. (laughs) He just fucking chokes so bad. But he feels good about it, even though he chokes. I don't think he, he feels good about going up there. Messages for Arthur Fleck. My name is Shirley Woods. I work on the Murray Franklin show. I don't know if you're aware, but Murray played a clip of your stand-up on the show recently, and we have gotten an amazing response from our viewers. Murray asked me to give you a call and see if you're... Who is this? Oh, 
is Shirley Woods. I'm the show booker from Live with Murray Franklin. Is this Arthur? Yes. Hi, Arthur. Well, as I was saying, we've gotten a lot of calls about your clip. Amazing responses. And Murray asked if I would reach out to you to see if you would come on as his guest. Murray wants me on the Murray Franklin show. Yeah, isn't that great? He'd love to talk to you, maybe do some of your act. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, that sounds great. And he hallucinates his neighbor in the crowd, like laughing and smiling. Actually, oh, I remember it was something like everyone said laughed when I said I would be a comedian, but nobody's laughing now. <laughs> it like wow. transitions from reality into one of another one of his grandiose fantasies the audio for him cuts out the music swells everyone's shown to be laughing and loving it and he's like spreading <laughs> his arms and being like yeah i'm killing it and in reality he's probably just like crying on the floor <laughs> it, it's interesting and i think his jokes are went a little bit something like this did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Great food, but no atmosphere. Hey. <laughs> All right, that's enough. I've, uh, this is basically my this fucking book I have on my desk is basically Arthur Flex notebook. <laughs> All right, sorry for the interruption, but yeah. But the main thing from this is that it was recorded. And apparently sent to Murray's. Yeah, to the Murray show. Um, he has the confrontation with Thomas Wayne. Adopted. I think he announces his run, his run for mayor. And he mm. says, I'm going to fix things for the poor in the most fucking condescending Hillary Clinton way possible. It is like this Pete Buttigieg-ass motherfucker saying, I, you dum-dums, you ruined the city. I'm going to make it better. Like, he's just fucking Mayor Bloomberg, basically. Yeah. So he confronts the... He has a confrontation with Thomas Wayne that we talked about before, and there's a lot of clown protesters, and it's at this, like, big theater benefit. Where they're watching fucking... God, what's his fucking name? That black and white actor. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, they're watching, like... And honestly, I, the Charlie Chaplin scene they're watching kind of slaps, though. He's like on rollerblades and he's like, yeah, that shit's crazy. That shit's insane. Can you imagine yeah. like fucking a guy on rollerblades in a mansion? Or like, what if a big train came out the camera? Whoa. And Joker's super feeling it too. He's like dressed up like a bellhop and he's like doing the movements with Charlie Chap. And you kind of, you're starting to really get the sense that Arthur Fleck has this real like talent with movement in general. Like there's a lot of little bits of him dancing so after that scene occurs, Thomas Wayne punches him. We haven't even mentioned this, but there's like an entire scene where like after he kills the three guys, like these investigators, they show up at his house. They show up when his mom has the stroke. Like, yeah, it's important to set up that he's being like investigated for these murders while all this is going on. It is implied that the cops coming and badgering his mom is kind of instigated the stroke or yeah. whatever it is. It's not even entirely clear. It, it seems like a real stroke, though. Yeah, because it's like she can barely talk when he's at the hospital. It's a combination of that, and he finds the evidence that Thomas Wayne might be his father, and they have a big fight about that, and the cops interrogate them. Yeah, I think that if you're like old strokes can be brought on by stress like that that's a thing um, that sounds like science to me it sounds like science. yeah I'm, <laughs> i don't I'm, fucking trust that shit i've uh, met a doctor before i know these things dr real man after his invite is when he goes to arkham asylum for the real evidence about his mother hey man, sorry about that my man all records, 10 years older, they still in the basement, and you're talking about some 30 years ago, so... <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Sure. How does someone wind up in here? Have they all, all the people committed crimes? Well, yeah, some have. You know, some are just crazy, pose dangers to themselves and others. Some just got nowhere else to go. Don't know what to do, you know? Yeah. I hear you, brother. <laughs> it's 
sometimes I don't know what to do. Last time I ended up taking it out on some people. I thought it was gonna bother me, but it really hasn't. What's that? I fucked up. And done some bad shit. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm talking about. It's so hard to just try and be happy all the time. Hey, uh, listen, man, I'm I'm just an administrative assistant. Like a clerk. You know, all I do is file paperwork. I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. But you should see somebody. You know, they got programs, city services, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. They cut all those. And the guy, he goes up there and he's having this conversation with the orderly where he's just like, I kind of fucked up a little bit and hurt some people. Yeah. I think I liked it. And the orderly is just looking at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> bunch of shit. And then like, it's kind of like creeped out by what he sees in the report and by Arthur Fleck himself and doesn't yeah. get. Well, he, he sees like the, the fucking adoption papers and then he's like, oh, I can't release this to you without a signature. And then he's just like, oh, man, yeah, that's okay. And he just fucking grabs it and then yeah. runs away. It was great, honestly. My interpretation was that he saw the evidence of abuse his mother received. Was just like, I don't want this guy to see this. This guy is clearly not well. Or the fact that he got tied to a radiator and like got beaten so bad he had brain damage. Yeah, that's what we learn in this these files is that mm-hmm. not only is the stuff that seems fake, about Thomas Wayne and his mother and how that that, you know, Arthur Fleck is adopted, but also that his mother was just like horrendously abused. Arthur was like handcuffed to a radiator and beaten, it sounds like, and did not probably overall didn't do good things to his uh, to his outlook in life. It's sort of implied that like he was like a normal, healthy child until fucking until society made him what he is today. (laughs) i I mean it's like no joke it is sort of like implied that maybe this mental illness is hereditary but it's also perfectly possible like the movie sets up this explanation where he's adopted and he's just like a perfectly normal kid but he gets some fucking brain damage from being abused uh so it's like in this this movie both explanations work pretty well and it could be a combination of like his mother's you know instability and like years of abuse in fact it probably is both it's it's a surprisingly kind of grown-up understanding of of like mental illness and, and shit like that because like yeah that can come from from abuse and childhood trauma and stuff and not just like falling in a vat of acid for comic books i think it's a dramatic step up even though obviously it still leaves a lot to be desired i think the fucked up inverse to this movie is have either of you heard of or seen the movie the accountant no, no. where ben affleck plays someone who's autistic and that is portrayed as giving him powers <laughs> to be the oh. world's most badass hitman and it's like, uh, okay, it's like weirdly super offensive to me, but everybody <laughs> was just like, oh, it's a Ben Affleck movie. That's fun, you know? And it's just like, oh, yeah, I can understand <laughs> accounting better than anybody else. And I murder the bad ones. Mother, this is like if somebody made a movie about me where it's just like, my ADHD gives me slow mo vision. <laughs> <laughs> My terribly poor eyesight makes it so I'm not as easily upset by the cringe you post. (laughs) (laughs) My nearsightedness means I can see molecules in the air. (laughs) Can you imagine if fucking Spider-Man, it's just like his spider sense was just IBS and he just shit himself? (laughs) (laughs) That that is what I'm going to assume is his spidey sense going forward. He could have a little diaper in that suit. You don't know. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was all on me. I had to bring up the accountant for some no, reason. No, I couldn't. I couldn't Ugh. think of a bit for depression. It just makes me overeat. So that's not, not a superpower. You can sleep so long. You can travel in the future. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
uh, segueing from all this laughter, after <laughs> Business Arthur now. learns about his horrific abuse, he murders his mother. Basically, yeah. he, he blaming finds out, her for all of this about him. He finds out about the abuse. He finds out that she might have lied about him being her son. It's like the combination of factors has led him to be extremely upset with her. And right before he kills his mother with the pillow, he talks about how he thinks the laugh is the real him. I haven't been happy one minute of my entire fucking life. You know what's funny? You know what really makes me laugh? I used to think that my life was a tragedy. But now I realize it's a fucking comedy. If he was a real and gamer, so- he would have used like an anime body pillow. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, noob, shit. noob shit. Yeah. Not just like a <laughs> shitty hospital pillow. Can you imagine oh, like a fucking gamer murderer who just goes around killing people with an I actually an anime? can very easily imagine a gamer murderer. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry. I interrupted. This is a serious scene in the movie. We should be serious. I mean, it's kind of a serious scene. It's also kind of like a triumphant scene. It's like very he's... strange. Like his mother, it's sort of implied that like his mother has also been abusive to him or at least has not like intervened at all to like protect him from abuse we're, we're learning a lot about uh, the cycles that abuse causes in the joker <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it's basically she almost lost custody of him because of this abuse that she did not prevent at all although it's not implied that she did anything it just implied that she was like her boyfriend was like extremely abusive to both of them. And I think too is that the helplessness that you see from her. It seems seems like she's able physically to bathe herself to cut up her food, but she needs Arthur there. And that kind of weird refusal to be a mother because of the trauma that she's received seems to be kind of to have come to a head at that point because he's just like, fuck it. You shit on my stand-up career. You're a bad mom. I'm going to murder you here in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. There's this really funny part earlier in the movie. He's like, I'm going to try stand-up comedy, Ma. Oh, happy. Don't you have to be funny to be a comedian? <laughs> just fucking it fucking rules. Like she's a victim in all this too, so she's sympathetic, but she's also just brutal to him, and it's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's like she doesn't even. It doesn't even feel like she's trying to put him down. She's just stating a fact, <laughs> and that makes it ten times more brutal. It's so fucking savage that you don't really know what to feel when he kills her, to be honest. Exactly. No, I it's, mean... it's, it's very emotionally confused, but it, like, it's him breaking out. It's like he's reclaiming his own freedom from her. Like He's always been attached to her. He's always been taking care of her. He's always sort of been like locked into this life. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta kill your mom. That's how it is. <laughs> this is like, you know, this is the fucking, you gotta kill your parents. That's what the movie says. Fucking worked for Batman. He gets all these fucking movies. Fucking do it. Kill your parents. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. We'll we'll get to that. And and here's the thing that's like really, we can get into this later, but like it's very heavily, the language of the movie is very heavily bent towards you're supposed to be horrified by the shit the Joker is doing, Mm. but you're rooting for him the whole time. Like well, if, if you're like if you're yeah. like a dirtbag leftist like we are, you're just like hell yeah, kill those rich fucks. <laughs> and and it, the movie's just like this is so horrifying, isn't it? And just like uh, not really, but okay. <laughs> well, I think that the movie, in its own way, like I think in some ways, like it, it hits you over the head of things, and so, and in other ways, it's very vague. Like when he runs into the glass door. Like, I found that to be fucking hilarious, but it could just be kind of like a, just another tragic yeah. owning of Arthur. And it's <laughs> like, and the, the movie's constantly asking, okay. like, how jokered are you right now? If you think this is funny, you might be a joker. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that movie found me to be a Joker. I think I, <laughs> I, I, think I, I was very physically I, like, yes! I'm a Joker. We're all Jokers here. Listen, spoiler alert for my final thesis of the movie. This is a movie that gives you permission to be a Joker. <laughs> <laughs> the joker movie taught me it was okay to be weird whoa <laughs> whoa all right so the the final act of the movie the best part he he's kind of was willing to try to be a better arthur fleck after jokering out on those rich fucks and this is the end from him he has this like protracted dance scene in the bathroom within his underwear where he's just fucking wilding out and it's so weird and i love it just because it's like this weird character thing it's like joker doesn't give a shit anymore he's gonna love dancing in the bathroom you know he's live live laugh love the joker <laughs> <laughs> and so he puts the green dye in his hair and in the process of why he's jokering up the the guy who sold him the gun the co-workers come and basically they're like we heard your mom died uh let's let's drink and what the real purpose is is that the guy who sold him the gun wants to know has he mentioned the gun to anybody and oh yeah because he heard he heard that like the investigators were around his house like did you what did you say to them well earlier in the movie the co-worker snitched to his boss that he sold him the gun or that he he took the gun from him or something like that fucking rat yeah Yeah. he rats him out and so the Joker, uh, <laughs> at this point, sees him for the snitch that he is. It just fucking beats the shit out of him so savagely. Oh, man. He stabs him in the eye with, like, a pair of scissors. Yeah, that's going to be Sanders and Mayor Pete next week, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what do you get when you mix... A 79-year-old Jewish socialist with a rat. You get what you fucking deserve. Um, And there's a great moment where the other co-worker is a little person. And Arthur lets him go. He's like, you never... You, you were always nice to me. You never did anything. You can go, man. <laughs> there's more visual comedy where, like... <laughs> When they come in, it shows him locking the door because it's like, you know, he's he knows at this point he's joke fully jokered right now. And mm-hmm. he knows he's going to kill this son of a bitch who sold him out to his boss. Like, hell yeah, because like when he dropped the gun, it's like Frank says he, you tried to buy a gun off him last week or some shit like that. And he's just like, he told you that? And he just sounds so hurt. <laughs> but the Joker also is like when he gets up to go like unlock it for him, he does that little like startle like ah, I gotcha. And like, no, you can leave. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it fucking rules. Uh, and this is him getting ready to go to the Murray Frank- Franklin show performance that he's been invited on to. So he's just leaving this corpse in his apartment. And that's when we get, you know, it is it is certainly the most memed on scene in the movie. Full Joker reveal is him dancing to Gary Glitter on the stairs. <laughs> now, what do you think the significance is of the choice of pedophile music? I think the significance is that they're just like, listen, we know a pedophile wrote this, but this is the perfect banger for this moment. (laughs) And we do not give a shit because this is a Joker movie. You know, it's like in Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino said that the fates made stuck in the middle with you, the song that you tortured the cop to. He's like, there is no other song that I would ever allow anybody to put in place to that song. And that's how, kind of what, how I feel about... What movie? In Reservoir Dogs, the part oh, where... I haven't seen that one. Well, a cop gets tortured, gets his ear cut off to stuck oh. in the middle with you. And it's kind of a famous musical needle drop of the 90s. Yeah, it's an amazing Tarantino. scene. It's, it's an incredible scene. I've never watched any movies before except this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this, this is the only one you need. Just talk about this one. This is the only one. This you could talk. We could the the discourse extends beyond an infinite horizon for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into the fucking discourse, but first, let's let's just talk about the final. Yeah. Thanks for listening to part one of the Joker episode. In part two, 
we will be discussing the grand finale and the outrageous discourse. Until then, have a happy day! Ha ha ha!